Scott and Gina, and, and uh, I, I, I want to tell you, you're blessed to have Scott and Gina here and their teaching, and maybe even more than their teaching, their life, and their family, and the boys. Um, those all go into the gospel, and the teaching of the gospel, and loving each other. So, uh, here I am, um, I got on the podcast, you know, where I come from, podcast, no, actually we, we do have uh, internet and all that stuff, but uh, I, I've been peeking a little bit, and so uh, I kind of got a flavor for how well they preach here, so I decided not to do a sermon at all because I didn't want to be compared with anybody. Didn't want you going, that's not three points in a prayer, in a poem. So I, I'm going to share some things with you this morning that are on my heart, been on my heart for, uh, I've been on a journey. And uh, it's probably not going to be much like a sermon. It's going to be more like a just letting you in on a journey I've been on. And I, I know when you came in, they handed you a little card, most of you. And uh, it's a prayer I've written. And we will look at it at the end of the service um, a little bit. But um, about a year and three months or so ago, I had a little talk with myself about my walk with the Lord. And after Scott says all those good things about you, kind of strange for a preacher to get up and say, had to have a little talk with yourself about your walk with the Lord. But I, I'll tell you the truth, I wasn't real happy with my walk with the Lord. Gotten real kind of dull. And uh, I was still preaching and, and uh, sharing, preaching out of the Word and, I still um, counseling in marriage situations. Um, I was still serving, but I didn't have the joy and the delight in God that I knew was there, had been there, needed to be there again. It is kind of slipping away. And so I want to take you on that little journey from about a year and three months ago uh, till now. And so if you turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 16, and then I'm going to ask you to stand with me as I read Psalm 16 with you. Shall we stand as you find it? Psalm chapter 16, David. Preserve me, O God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good besides you. As for the saints who are in the earth, they are the majestic ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who have bartered for another God will be multiplied. I shall not pour out their drink offering of blood, nor will I take their names upon my lips. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You support my lot. The lines have fallen that have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. I have set the Lord continually before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and in your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. 
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. May it go deep into my heart. May I learn from it. May it goad me, Lord, into knowing you better, following you more closely, enjoying you. And I'll thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as I, I, I take a magazine, you, you probably may take it as well, The Voice of the Martyrs. And um, as I would read through that and other things and, and look at Paul's life and the persecution he went through and, and then see our brothers and sisters around the world and losing their mates to martyrdom and losing their children and, and the torture and the things that go on around this world and read the account of those folks, it stirred my heart. Because I realized that they love the Lord so much that they will love their enemies so much. And I would just read those things and I would say, Lord, I, uh, I don't really don't love my enemies that much. I don't love some of my friends that much. And so that, that kind of stirred me to look at a passage like this in, in Psalm 16. And I, I want to call just a couple things to your attention before we move over into Ephesians. But he says in verse 11, You will make known to me the path of life. In other words, you will lead me in decision making in days. and Yeah, okay. Then he says, in your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I, I can begin to examine my life a little bit, think about my walk with the Lord, and is His joy in my life is his delight am I delighting in him um, tell you a little bit about my wife I, I said in the last session uh, that she couldn't be with me because she has a a, a, a very um, severe uh, sensitivity to light to artificial light and in our home we turn the lights down kind of low and whatnot and she can go out it's not it doesn't stop everything but if she was to come here and stay an hour or two under these lights and then we would go to a restaurant and eat she her head and face would just turn be red and she would suffer what would seem like to be a sunburn nausea and all the rest and so anyway that's why she's not here she greets you and um and I thank her for being such a supportive wife and who's loved me and, and uh, does love me and continues to encourage me. But that's not what I want to say about her. What I want to say about her is, on a, to me, she's known as Grandma the Gift Giver. And uh, we have, uh, I think, nine grandchildren. And they're all getting kind of grown up now. But the little ones... When they would come to our house, and if you heard these words, go sit on the couch and close your eyes. Oh, go sit on the couch and close your eyes. The first time they heard it, they might have said, huh. The second time they heard it, they were on that couch as fast as they could be, and they had not only their eyes closed, but their hands over their eyes. I mean, they're going to do what Grandma says, because what's coming? Obviously, Grandma's been shopping. And it doesn't make any difference if it's Christmas, New Year's, or Veterans Day. She's going she's gonna to get her kids a present. First day of school's coming. You guys need a present. Last day of school's coming. You need a present. That's interesting. When you're a little kid and you sit down on the couch and you just can't wait to open your eyes for that present, it's just so exciting. And then you get that present. And Grandma generally... Not all grandmas can do this, and she didn't hit it 100% of the time. But she's a pretty good grandma, and she can pretty well hit 
what they really like. And so they open it. Oh, Grandma. And it's so great. And they just enjoy that so much. Well, that goes on until they're in college. And then they don't have to close their eyes anymore. They can just sit down. <laughs> and somewhere along the line, what is supposed to happen and has happened is that they should shift their thankfulness from the gift to the giver. They should begin to realize that grandma is thinking about them when they're never thinking about her. They're off doing their thing and they're living life, but grandma's thinking about them. And so she's going to get that special thing that's going to bring them joy and happiness. Somewhere along the line, they need to realize, and they have, that grandma loves them. And now it's not so much the gift. It's thank you for the gift, but grandma, we love you. It shifts from the gift to the gift giver. So when I was looking at my own life, I had to do a little examination and say, in your relationship with the Lord, what are you the most thankful for? I'm thankful for my salvation. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my Christian friends. I'm thankful for the air I breathe. I'm thankful for this country I live in. I'm thankful for all kinds of things that are blessings from the hand of God. But then I had to ask myself, are you thankful for the presence with the T or are you thankful for his presence with the C? Hmm. Are you enjoying him? Are you delighting in him? Turn with me to uh, Revelation chapter 2. You're familiar with this, I'm sure, if you've sat under the teaching here for very long at, of the church at Ephesus, and now the letter is being written <clears throat> by the Spirit of God to these churches. And the one church to Ephesus kind of brings me up short. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this. I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men and you put to the test those um, who call themselves apostles and they are not and you found them to be false and you have perseverance and have endured for my sake and have not grown weary. Wow. They got their doctrine straight. They can defend the gospel against the false teachers. They persevere in their service to the Lord. What could be better than that? Well, you can see it there. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. It is possible, my friend, to be in the ministry and preach the gospel and counsel people in their marriage relationships and encourage others with the word of God and let the joy of your salvation slip away. Become commonplace. Become ordinary. Become distance, distant. It's not a friendship, love relationship, it's a long-distance relationship. It can become that way. And believe it or not, you know this, it can become that in your marriage, for those of you that are married. The passion and the, and the excitement and the, and the love and commitment you had to your wife when you were first married, if you're not careful, that can just become ordinary. It can just be, we can take each other for granted. And we fall into that, we can fall into that area where we say, gee, thank you for what you do for me. 
thank you for your gifts to me. But being in your presence, hurrying home from work, eh, not like I used to. You know? It, it can go cold. The, the marriage relationship can go cold. You have to think about it. You have to work about it. Work at it. It's, that's true with a relationship with God. So what are you going to do about it? Okay. Um, how do you fix it? Well, I thought to myself, self, you're not uh, in the Word as much as you should. You're not in your devotions as much as you should. You're not, you're not faithful in those things as much as you should. So uh, if you're not going to do that, I'll tell you what you ought to do. You're 75 years old. Now I'm 76. This started last November or so. I think what I better do is memorize the book of Colossians. <laughs> I was inspired by my mom's dad, my grandfather on that side, as a young kid, he, I, I, he would memorize sections of scripture, and he, he would, and uh, so I, when I was younger and and uh, maybe uh, more involved in some ministries, I, I would do more memorization. But I had not done that. So anyway, I began to memorize the book of Colossians. Now you're not going to call me on this because I'm not going to I'm not going to do it. But uh, I'm, I'm actually only through the second chapter. But um, when, when you start memorizing Scripture, and now I don't know about you, but when I memorize Scripture, it's got to be written, it's got to be said, it's got to be repeated, it's repeated, it's looked at, it's repeated, it's repeated, it's repeated. And then as you start through the book of Colossians, you get about, you get partway into it there. I'm not sure the verses, 18, somewhere in there. It says, um, joy, I, you, they, they were talking about joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of Christ. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and he transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son where there's redemption and the forgiveness of sin. You memorize that and first you're just repeating words over and over so you get it. And then you keep repeating it and repeating it and finally... Some of that truth really does trickle down into your life. What he has done for me and that gratefulness and that thankfulness to think that I have that inheritance. No, I've known all these things. I've I've preached those passages. I'm talking about not a ministry, but getting right with God personally. And... So you see that he's rescued you from the domain of darkness and he's transferred you into the kingdom of his beloved son. What? Come on. I better be a little more grateful. I better leave me thankful to him. Okay. That's, that's, part of the, that's part of the journey. But I'm going to share a number, two or three more things on this journey. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And here's something I found that was happening in my life. And, you know, I, I, I suppose there's some people in this audience of this size that maybe can identify with some of the things that I was going through. See, I, I've, I've titled this sermon, The Other Side of Therefore. And if you turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, It says, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of which you have been called. Now, here's here's what my conclusion is going to be my conclusion for you and for me. Just tell you ahead of time that as I begin to look again at Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, That's not a place that you want to live. You have to live in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. I'll show you why. So you come to church, you're preaching, you're listening to the preacher, you're being taught, and you get into Ephesians chapter 4. You skipped 
You didn't come to church when he was doing one, two, and three. You just showed up when he was doing four, five, and six. Okay? And so the Lord tells you, therefore, I, the prisoner, uh, uh, talking Paul here, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you've been called. So right off, the bat, right off the bat, he says, okay, here's how you ought to live. You ought to live worthy of having the name of Jesus written across your forehead. That's your calling. That's who called you. Now you're a Christian. So now you need to live in a manner worthy of that. How you doing? It gets worse. It says, called with all humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance to one another, in love, being diligent to preserve the unity. These four, five, and six, they can make you almost depressed. I'll go over to chapter 4, uh, farther on in 28. I'm just picking out some things. He who steals must steal no longer. Okay, I can quit that. But rather he must labor performing with his hands what is good, so that he may have something to share with the one who has need. Oh, well, that's a little different. I like to work for my own stuff. I'm not too crazy about sharing for others, but that's okay. Then he says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Huh? How you doing on that one? No, you, I know. You guys are all, yeah, I know. Yeah. You don't have trouble with this, right? Uh, 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another. Be tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Chapter 5, if that's not bad enough, he's going to tell us this. Therefore, be imitators of God. Don't let any morality, immorality, impurity, filthiness, silly talk, anything like that be named above you. And by the time you get here, you're going, really? Uh, I don't know. I don't do too well in here. And then it gets worse. And you know where it goes, don't you? You folks have been in church a long time. You've heard this. You women know this sermon. I'm going to preach you. <clears throat> it's in 522. Wives, be subject to your husbands. As to the Lord. You go, oh, that sounds like a lot of fun right there. And then the husband's going, <laughs> yeah. And then the guy, then the preacher says, yeah, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. And you got, who wrote this stuff? <laughs> yeah, really. And it's just, as you read through it like that and you study it like that, it looks like duty. It looks like responsibility. It looks like work. It really does. So I was, I was kind of slipping into that area, and then I said, well, what's the therefore, therefore? Well, you shouldn't be in 4, 5, and 6 until you've been living in 1, 2, and 3, okay? Until you experience or know and experience the love of God in 1, 2, and 3, okay? T turn with me to 1. Uh, chapter 1, verse 1. You only have to read the first verse to, and maybe have somebody explain it to you or study it before you get the hint of how fantastic this is. Listen, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, with the will of God, to the saints who are in, who are at Ephesus. If he was writing here, he'd say, to the saints at Riverbend Church. To the saints. What's a saint? It's somebody that's had their sins set aside, taken away, 
and they have been put into the presence of Christ. Sinless. A saint. He's sinless. In the eyes of God. It's what's happened to him. His sins have been paid for. We Beautiful songs. Sang it. And then the next thing you need to find out is to the saints who are at Ephesus who are the faithful in Christ Jesus. So there's, just, there's two truths in that verse that if you can figure out what they mean and get them in your head and then somehow get them into your experience, you're on your way to joy and delight in the Lord. Now I say, not only know them, but get them in your experience. I know these. I, I, I've, I've known these things. I've preached these things. I've listened to better men than me preach these things. And uh, the great riches of Christ and what he's done for us and his grace and his mirth, mercy and his salvation and, and how his death on the cross is sufficient to take care of my sins. Okay? I know those things. But I discovered something in my life, and maybe you have one too. I have a truth vault. I have a safe place where I keep this kind of truth. It's somewhere up here in my mind. And so if you would ask me, are you indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God? Are you in Christ? Is He in you? Is the Father uh, in you? Is this you and the Son and the Father all one? Yeah, I, I know that. Absolutely. I have that in my truth vault. Okay. I, I had to figure out in my walk with the Lord, maybe this will help you, maybe it won't. I had to figure out how I moved that out of the truth vault into my everyday experience. You see, I would bring it out at times. Uh, when the doctor said I had prostate cancer, I bring that out. And I say, oh, Lord, I need you. You've got to be with me today. I've I, I got to hear your voice. I've got to feel your touch. I've got to know your presence. And then when the doctor says, I think we've got it cured, I go, thank you. Put it back in the truth bowl. Or in the ministry, when you're going to do something difficult or, or what you think is beyond which most of it is, beyond your ability, you say, God, I need you, I need you, I gotta, I gotta hear your voice, I gotta, I gotta know your presence in my life. And he's faithful then. But then you put it back. So I've been working on something, and I'm gonna share it with you, and then I'm gonna challenge you with it uh, as I close today. But here, here's what I had to do. First of all, I imagined this that at 6 in the morning there was a knock on my door and I went to the door and I opened it and it was Jesus. And I recognized him. He's the creator of the universe. He's the Lamb of God that went to the cross for me and there he is standing in my front door. Now, don't get all shaky about this. this is, I'm talking about my imagination. <clears throat> okay? I opened the door there he is. What's my response? He says to me, Jerry, I'd like to spend the day with you today. Now put yourself in that, honestly put yourself in that position a little bit. Don't, don't be all spiritual and everything. Just put yourself in that position and the king of kings and the Jesus, the savior of the universe is standing in front of you and he says, I want to spend the day with you. You know the first thing that happened to me when I started thinking like that? Uh, well, uh, <clears throat> do, do, do you know how selfish I am? Uh, do, do, do you know how exactly I, just exactly how I treat my wife? Do you know what I think of that neighbor whose dog doesn't shut up?
And so what happens is there's a sense of unworthiness that begins to fall on me. And I begin to think of that unworthiness. Well, that's interesting because I know all the scripture that says that he took my sins far away from me. In fact, in Colossians, it says he put them away, having nailed them to the cross. And in Romans, there is nothing that can separate me from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing. And here I am standing here going, well, I think my unworthiness separates me from fellowship with you. And he says, huh? So what I have to face at that point is that in a practical way, I don't believe what he's told me in Scripture. I say I believe it, but why would I sense an unworthiness if I knew that that relationship could not be hindered in any way because his death on the cross was so sufficient? I think of the Garden of Eden and Christ coming and the Lord coming, God walking with Adam and Eve and revealing himself to them and telling them how, how much, just how much he loves them and how he reveals his truth to them and what, what that must have been like and what a wonderful time that was. And then the break in that because of sin. And then he wins that all back from the Garden of Gethsemane to the cross when he's going to become sin for us. And so I have to decide by faith, I'm going to believe that I am worthy. Why am I worthy? Because I've been made worthy by the blood of Jesus. And so I should be able to say, wow, that's exciting. Let's spend the day together. And I don't need to start excusing myself because I didn't clean the garage or whatever. He knows all that stuff. He wants to spend the day with me. So, the next thing I had to settle was if I'm worthy because he saved me and paid for my sin, and he, then the next thing that came to me was why does he want to do that? I'm I'm. I'm a nice guy, but I'm not that interesting. The God of this universe walking today with me in everything I do, whether it's on the golf course, whether it's in my bedroom, whether it's in my kitchen, whether it's over at my next door's neighbor, whether it's in ministry or, or taking a nap. He wants to spend the day with me. So then I have to go to Scripture that tells me how much he loves me and how much he desires to have fellowship with me. And I am being presented to him for all eternity that we might have fellowship. And then I have to start believing that by faith. I have to trust that to be true. Now, so what I'm saying this morning is it's one thing to know some things in your head. It's another thing to get yourself in a position where you're going to experience them. Where that joy of being with him 24-7. What can go wrong? The God of this universe is walking with me 24-7. I'm, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to sin. It's not Honestly, this is not heresy. It's not going to make any difference in our relationship. Only from my point of view, it's not going to really make any difference because he's paid for all those sins. He's already done it. So, that's what I have to do. I have to go back to the scripture and believe by faith that I am worthy. And I want to tell you, that, that's hard. Especially if you've been raised in a situation where 
It's always performance. You never measure up. Are you this or that? Whatever it is, you're not quite good enough. My wife used to tell me in the home she was raised in, she'd do the dishes as an older sister. She'd do the dishes, and her dad would come in, and she'd look at, he'd look at the dishes, and he'd find one dish that wasn't clean, and he'd say, wash them all again until you get it right. Well, that makes a whale of a good dishwasher. But it really fouls up your attitude on being loved when you're not worthy. It really does. So, this is what you have to do. This is what I had to do. So, this is the little um, practice that I've gotten into. Every morning when your feet hit the floor, you say to yourself, what is Jesus and I going to, what are Jesus and I going to do today? What are we going to do? And think about it in a very practical way. I'm going, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't know what our schedule is this afternoon, but I know Monday we're going to go golfing. Jesus and I are going golfing. Jesus and I are going to go out to a restaurant. Jesus and I are going to be at Scott and Gina's. One of Scott and Jesus' laboring friends are going to come over and I got to meet them. No, you missed that. I said, that was funny. <laughs> it's Jesus and I. It's the two of us. 24-7. Now, suppose you get kind of tired of that and say, you know what, today I don't want him to go with me. How's that going to work? You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. He's going to go with you. And I want to tell you, I saw some teenagers here today, and I, I, want, I want to tell you something, teenagers. There is nothing like walking in the Spirit of God. There is nothing like walking in the presence of God. I've written down in my notes, I've written down in my Bible, the presence of Jesus changes everything. The presence of Jesus changes everything. Yeah. Going to school, where, wherever you're going, whoever you're meeting, whatever you're doing, He's there. He wants to be there because He loves you and He wants to enjoy it with you and He, he wants you to enjoy Him while we're doing these things together. Now, do you sin? Oh, yeah. Do you, should you keep short accounts? Oh, Lord, yeah. I, 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 I want to confess that. Yeah, sure. Confess it and get on with the joy and the delight in the things of God. Now, I'm here to tell you that this is a journey that I'm on. I, I, I don't have it all figured out, and I don't come to you saying I have it figured out. But I want to tell you something about chapters 4, 5, and 6. Remember all that stuff that we're supposed to do, all that duty, all that work in the Christian faith? What I found in my own life, that that work is beginning to change to worship. When I read those instructions on how I'm supposed to live and then I realize how much God loves me and He's walking with me on a 24-7 basis, now I, I bring that over there and I say, I have a present for you. I'm going to do that. I'm going to love my wife like Christ loved the church. Do I do it perfectly? No. But it, it, now it's not a duty it's a form of worship. It's a form of joy to be able to, to uh, live in such a way that the, that the life in chapters 1, 2, and 3 begins to spill over into life in chapters 4, 5, and 6. I've written down somewhere in my notes that it says, my obedience in chapters 4, 5, and 6 is in direct proportion to the love I experience in chapters 1, 2, and 3. Not, the chap not, the, 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 not that I know out of there, 
but that love that I experience. And so what I did is I started including some other friends in my little uh, experiment. And uh, a while back at a, one of the churches I'm teaching in, I took some three-by-five cards and I wrote on them, uh, take this challenge, and uh, I said, Every morning when you get up and your feet hit the floor, ask yourself, what are you and Jesus going to do today? Every day. Um, it's interesting. I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. I'm not going to pass. You have those little cards with you. You might put that card up there. Oh, it's up there. Okay. I wrote this prayer because this really fits into what I'm talking about. This is what I want to do, and I pray that you will want to do it too. I want to see Him so clearly and understand Him so deeply, enjoy Him so thoroughly, delight in Him so fully, love Him so completely that I will obey Him so perfectly. 4, 5, and 6 are in the last stanza. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 are in those other stanzas. We need to see Him so clearly, understand Him so deeply, enjoy Him so thoroughly, and delight in Him so fully. I put that challenge out, and several people took it in that church. And I said, Communic please communicate with me what's happening. One, got, one person got back, and a dear lady that loves the Lord and followed the Lord, she says she took that challenge, and she said, you know, the Lord really laid on my heart this week that I need to watch less TV and I need to spend more time in prayer for the people in our church. Not a big thing, but a very important thing that God laid on her heart because she, she sensed him walking with her 24-7. Um, one fellow said, I couldn't believe how spontaneously I sin. Just, whoa. Where's that from coming from? Yeah, there's an awareness. When, when you're walking with Jesus, there's awareness of these things. Uh, one person called me up afterwards and said, do you do marriage counseling? I said, yes. I said, would you meet with us? I said, sure. I've got, is your wife going to be there? She said, no. I said, okay, I'll meet with you, but we won't talk about your wife because she's not there, so we'll talk about your issues. So we met, and we talked about his issues. He had issues. And he's telling me his issues, and he's, and I said, um, Michael, I said, um, you were in church when I was teaching on this walking with Jesus 24-7. How's that working out for you? Have you tried it? And he said, I can't do it. He said, I can't even make that, I can't even pray that way. I can't even think that way. I can't, I can't use that sentence. What are Jesus and I going to do today? Why not? He said, because I'm so unworthy. I'm so, I failed at this, I failed at that, I don't know my emotions, I'm not a good husband, I'm not, a, and he said, I said, whoa, have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Have you trusted yourself to Jesus as Lord and Savior? He said, yes. I said, then Michael, here's your problem. You don't believe Jesus. You don't believe the Word of God. I said, there's a man in Scripture that brought his sick son to the Lord, had a sick son, came to the Lord and said, Lord, Jesus, can you heal this son? I love this passage. We're not going to turn to it, but I love this passage because Jesus says, huh? Can I? Did you just say, can I? Of course I can. That's not the issue. The issue is, do you believe I can? And the man said, great, one of the great prayers in Scripture, and I would suggest that you pray this all the time about all kinds of things. He says, I believe, Lord Jesus, help my unbelief. I've got this much belief, but i got a whole bunch of unbelief. Help it. And then you get started on it. So I told that to Michael. I told that story to him. I said, Michael, I, it's, it's, you, you, you're not... You're not trusting what the Word of God says about your sin. It's paid for. He wants to walk with you. He wants you to enjoy Him. 
He said, well, I'm not worthy. And I said, let me ask you one more question. How long do you think it will take you to get worthy? He looked at me and he said, not going to happen. I said, no, that's the point. It isn't going to happen because it's happened by the blood of Jesus going to the cross because he loves you so much. He's made you worthy. You better start believing it. Now, right now, what we better do is you better confess your unbelief to the Lord and ask for more faith. And he did. And I'm going to close here, and I want to read from a little journal that one man wrote. This is a construction worker. And so he journaled for every day. Gets up in the morning. What are Jesus and I going to do today? Wow, Tuesday. Once again, I am working alone, starting to wonder if God is really trying to just get me alone with him. Well, I'm more than ready to do so. Today was kind of crazy, not going to lie. All kinds of different thoughts and emotions flooded through me today. You see, this is a person that's actually putting himself in that position that Jesus is with him. Really with him. Actually had a moment when I broke down and had a wondrous, joyful cry. This is a construction worker. I couldn't get over the fact and the thought that the king and creator of the universe would want to just hang out with little old me at work and just listen to me. So humbling to say the least, just Jesus and I talking while tiling a shower together. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in my life today. Here was his Friday. He worked, normally works with people, and he, God was just putting him there by himself. <clears throat> Here's Friday. Another good day working with Jesus by my side and with my coworkers. The constant thought of Christ by my side and in my heart and soul is such a blessed truth. It was really been helping me lead uh, my whole day, live my whole day. This whole process has also allowed me a different avenue to try and share the gospel with my co-workers. Sharing Jesus Christ in such a personal and intimate way must, I'm sure, make them think just a little at the very least. So it was, just, it was spilling out of him. Jesus was with him, and so part of his conversation, I guess, was Jesus was with him. Lord, please open their hearts and minds to you and see you as I see you. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your presence and your friendship today. On that card, you can see I've gone ahead and put my phone number and email. It's an old email, you'll see, but it's mine. And I'm old, so it's still mine. And... Uh, Gina looked at it and said, Juno? Who has Juno anymore? I said, I do. I might be the only person on there so you can get right through. So <clears throat> I'd like to hear from you. If, you. if you want to take this serious and, and, and take these next seven days and, a, and, a, and then hopefully for the rest of your life, but take these next seven days and say, Jesus, what are you and I going to do today? And my phone number's on there, and I'd appreciate it if that was a text. <laughs> um, but if you do want to call me, I'm open for that. In four days, remember that I'm going to be three hours behind you, so, <clears throat> <laughs> so check your clock. But I'd, li I'd like to hear from you. I'd like to hear from you. I don't want to tell you. God has given me a joy again. God has given me a delight in him. Now, not all the joy and not all the delight I'd like to have. I'd like to have more of this. I'd like with David. <clears throat> Just a comment, got to close. If you look back at Psalm 16, what was the secret of the joy and the delight that David has? And it's in verse 8, and he says, I set the Lord continually before me. I didn't come up with something new. David had it down back then. I set the Lord 
continually before me. And I believe that's a discipline that we have to learn. We can get our teaching lined up. We can get our doctrine straight. But we can get cold in our walk with the Lord. We have to set Him before us 24-7. Our Lord and our Savior, I thank You for these folks. And I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for what You're doing in my life. My family's life. Thank you for not letting us slide away and continue to slide away from the joy of our salvation, for delighting in you. Lord, I confess to you that I was thankful and excited about your presence for me. That's with a T, but not real excited about your presence with a C in me. So Lord, I confess that to you and I desire in the future to have your joy and your delight and acknowledge that you are with me 24-7. And Lord, I pray, I pray for these teenagers, especially and young people, that they will get a handle on walking with you 24-7 at a young age and they will have the greatest time of their life. No matter what it is and the hardships or persecution or whatever it is, they will have your joy because you're with them 24-7. And Lord, for those of us that maybe have walked with the Lord for a number of years, but we've kind of grown, grown cold, stir our hearts, Lord. Make your presence known. Help us to discipline ourselves to acknowledge that you are with us 24-7. Every day, every place, everywhere, at all times, in all circumstances, whether they're good or they're bad, whether we sin or do not sin, you are with us and you love us and you desire fellowship with us. Lord, I thank you for these dear people in Jesus' name. Amen.